Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's can I... awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org app. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Over the middle, and that is picked off. Intercepted by Raphael Bush. It seems like every week these Lions play a close game. Manning on the slant. Beckham! Beckham! Touchdown! All right, out of the shotgun. Prescott steps, throws a long ball. Defender fell down. And it is caught by Williams. He will step out of bounds at a 20-yard line. Now the big pass play. Cowboys sink it. Touchdown! And it is a touchdown on the throw to Bryce Butler. How about the rookie quarterback, Dak Prescott, delivering that throw right on the button. Locked on Vikings, Locked on Podcast Network. A new week begins. It's a Vikings game week. Finally, they play the Eagles on Sunday, and we'll have coverage for you every day leading up practice Begins anew for the Vikings today at 11 o'clock, so we'll have plenty of updates for you tomorrow once we see what they look like injury-wise. But today we've got Sage Rosenfels with us to discuss the Sunday of football and a couple of Vikings talkers on this Monday. Sage, still in Austin, Texas, after your big broadcast on Saturday. How'd it go? Well, the broadcast went just fine, but my Cyclones didn't play all that well. They took a 6-3 lead in the halftime and uh, didn't score any points in the second half and lost, I think the final score is 31-6. to six. It was a uh, third quarter by Texas. They scored three touchdowns, and that was pretty much it. Most of the excitement happened in the third quarter, for, and it was for the Longhorns. So uh, not a great trip there football-wise, but Austin, Texas is a, is a great place to visit, and, and I'm still down here for one more day till, till Tuesday. So let's get a little chance to have a little vacation during the Vikings bye week. Great chance yesterday for me to get caught up on the rest of the league because so often I'm, I'm stuck in a stadium and I don't really watch any football except the Vikings on a Sunday. So an excellent chance for me to get caught up and see what really, you know, the, the truth is about the league because you see records, you see stats, you don't always see the players moving around on the field. I'm getting a really good vibe from Dallas. I mean, yesterday was, I think, a big coming out party for Elliott and Prescott. I think they went on the road in a tough environment and they took it to the Green Bay Packers. Now, say what you will about Aaron Rodgers maybe beginning to digress or just having a really wacky spell where he's not on the same page as his receivers, but it could be that Dallas just made him look subpar. Um, either way, the Cowboys look like a, a very good power-running team. Their young quarterback is exciting, and I'm with you. I think they'd be foolish to start Tony Romo at any point this year. Yeah, Dak Prescott has been doing uh, and just getting better every week. But, you know, it's I sort of saw this about three or four weeks ago. I'm like, this guy's pretty legit. He's not just going out there and 
quote unquote managing the football game. Uh, he's going out there and making plays, and he's accurate, and he's running that offense, and and he doesn't miss very often in the passing game. And uh, it really does help to have that running game and that offensive line. The Dallas offensive line is showing the, the, the entire league that they're the best offensive line in the league. And uh, they're playing really good right now. I think, you know, other than maybe the Vikings, Dallas is one of those teams that nobody would like to play. And, and they made Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay look very average yesterday. And, uh, you know, the, the Aaron Rodgers situation is really interesting. Up there in Green Bay, he is, you're correct, he is playing very poorly. Uh, you're seeing a lot of man-to-man coverage. Uh, the Vikings, I think, exposed them uh, about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, and now the team since then have been playing a ton of man-to-man coverage, and you saw that yesterday with Dallas, and those receivers just couldn't quite get open, and, and Aaron, I think, is starting to get frustrated, and, and one of his, inter- his interceptions yesterday, I'm not sure if he threw more than one, but the one I saw well, just a terrible interception, and it was a versus a coverage that you would never try to throw that ball to. There was nobody to hold that backside safety and, and cover four, and then he threw sort of the seam route uh, heading right towards that safety with nobody to you know clear him out or anything like that. And, and a guy as good as Aaron, as smart as Aaron, uh, you should never make that throw. Obviously, he didn't see him, but uh, as I said before, there's nobody to hold that safety, and good chance he's going to be standing right there. And uh, Aaron throw, threw the ball right to him, and he's not playing very well, and that team's not playing very well, which I guess for Viking fans is good news. It was just two years ago that Rodgers was on some outlandish interception streak, and especially, I think, at home, where he had gone hundreds and hundreds of passes without an interception at Lambeau, and now he's thrown three in the last two weeks. Packers dropped to three and two Two full games behind the Minnesota Vikings. And meanwhile, Dallas now joins the Vikings on a five-game winning streak. They are uh, the second-best team now in the NFC. And the Vikings play them on a Thursday night on December 1st. So that could be the next game that everybody's circling on the calendar. Now, I think people were pretty excited about Philadelphia, the the game coming up for the Vikings when Philadelphia was 3-0. But they've dropped a couple consecutive losing to Detroit and then losing to Washington yesterday. Carson Wentz may be coming back to earth a little bit, Sage. Yeah, he has come back to earth, and he didn't play great yesterday. And they scored – they lost 27-20. to 20. They scored, obviously, only 20 points, and seven of those points came on defense when Kirk Cousins threw the ball to the, the Philadelphia uh, defense, and they returned it for a touchdown. So, really, they only scored about 13 points yesterday. So, this Philly team is – not playing great, and you know sometimes as rookies you come out hot, and then that long NFL season starts to uh, you know take take its toll on you a little bit, and and uh, you're you know you just you don't play as well consistently uh, for all 16 games, and you know as a rookie that's tough to do to come out and understand how to game plan every single week and come out and execute every single week and and play great football because you have to play really good football for the most part in the NFL to win week by week. Wentz was 11 of 22 yesterday, just 50% passing, probably his worst game in the pros. He didn't throw a touchdown, also didn't throw an interception, but he got sacked five times, and he's about to face the best defense in the National Football League in Mike Zimmer, who I imagine is licking his chops off a bye week to play a quarterback who's struggling a bit, is new to the league. He's going to show him things he's never seen. I imagine that when you're a coach, 
and you get that extra week to game plan, you're probably going to have a few extra wrinkles offensively, a few extra wrinkles defensively, because not only do you have more days of prep, but you have more days where you can practice because you're not using your Monday to recover. The Vikings are practicing today, which other teams around the league are not. Yeah, you do get that extra practice, and you are correct. Usually teams have a few extra things in the game plan, or obviously the coaches have a little more time to, to prepare, or a lot more time to prepare. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think it would be, you know, if it was just a regular week with no bye week in between, 90% of the game plan would be the same, maybe even 95. But there'll be a few extra plays. Uh, that bye week is nice for, for obviously the entire team to get rest, uh, but it's also nice for some younger players to get some extra reps in practice. Uh, they'll throw some younger guys in there or maybe try a, uh, you know, a, a wide receiver or a player to a new position, uh, maybe bring somebody up from the practice squad and, and practice them with the ones and twos to see how they fare against the, the starters. And so a lot of things you can do with that bye week and on that Monday practice. And, and yeah, they'll, they'll zimmer in that defense and and over the offense will have a few extra plays and a few extra things to do uh, to attack uh, to attack Philadelphia. If Stefan Diggs is able to return this week for the Vikings from his groin injury, which I would think he will, do you think he and Thielen will be the top two wideouts? I think so. Uh, you know, Charles Johnson just hasn't had a lot of production this year, and, and uh, Thielen has, you know, the, the reps he's been in there. I mean, I'm sure if the percentage of catches he's made based off the reps he's been in there has been probably the highest on the team, and it seems like, whether it's just him getting open or, or Sam Bradford having a nice rapport with him, uh, he is he is doing a nice job as that sort of number two wide receiver. Another thing about Thielen is you can put him in the slot. You can move him all over and do different formation things with him as well. So, yeah, I think at this point he really is the number two wide receiver for the Vikings. It's funny because last year, week four, Vikings go to Denver. They have Mike Wallace hurt and they have Charles Johnson hurt. So the Vikings were forced to play Diggs and forced to play Thielen as starters in that game. Well, we get our first glimpse of Stefan Diggs, and it was spectacular. And Thielen did a great job in that game as well. That was our first glimpse of that tandem. Little did we know that Diggs, would he was going to go on to continue that play and become a star, and Thielen was going to keep rising. And suddenly, I think it's, it's a Diggs and Thielen combo there. Um, at the whiteout. So the Vikings, I think, for, for the first time in a while, seem to have a nice development of depth at the wide receiver position because you've got you've got Jarius Wright who can step in any time and be your slot receiver and do a good job. You've got Cordero Patterson coming on and then Charles Johnson. Even though he hasn't been able to get it going, I think he still has a lot of talent in there. Just something is not quite right with his route running or his communication between he and the quarterback. But it seems like the Vikings at least have options at that position. And considering they don't have a ton of depth at other offensive positions, that's important. I think the key here is that Nerf Turner, uh, with his history in the National Football League and as a coordinator, quarterback coach, he understands what athletes can do, what players can do. And so I think for him it's all about game planning and who they're going against and what type of defenses they're going to see. If they see a lot of zone or a lot of man or a lot of press or you know what type of press coverage, which – you'd be amazed there's three or four types of press coverage that you'll actually see. And I think what he does is he tries to find who best matches up against that type of defense. And, you know, Thalen has – he's a very good route runner, but the question is, is he – how would he do, you know, versus hard press man-to-man coverage where the DB gets really physical? That might be a spot where, you know, Cordero Patterson or, or Charles Johnson might be better. 
you know, so this is something that uh, you know Norv is sort of the expert on of 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 having you know four when you have three, four, five wide receivers, figuring out what each each one is good at and and sort of game planning who you're playing and then how much uh, you know each player is going to get playing time that week. Quick trip around the NFC North. We'll kind of wrap up those two other teams that were involved in games yesterday. The Detroit Lions win thirty-one to twenty-eight. They move to three and three with their second straight victory. Every single Lions game, Sage, has been determined by seven points or less. The 3-3 and record is probably appropriate because they've been in a lot of 50-50 type games, and yesterday was another one. And for the second straight week, they come up with a big interception to foil a last-second drive by the opponent. Detroit, I don't think their defense is good enough to compete with Minnesota or to really make too much noise in the NFC. But their offense seems to be doing really nicely. They've got Marvin Jones. That was a terrific signing, and he's one of the leaders in yards in the NFL. And Stafford seems to be confident, even without Megatron. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, Stafford's having a better year than he's had the last couple years. And obviously with Megatron retiring in the offseason, that, that's a surprise. Nobody really expected much of Detroit this year, so the fact that they're 3-3 three and three, uh, is I guess good for them. And, you know, it looks like the Chicago Bears, who lost to Jacksonville yesterday, is the worst team in the in the NFC North. Uh, and uh, you know, the Packers aren't playing great. So uh, it sort of looks like you got two teams in the middle right now: the Vikings up top and the Bears way down in the bottom. And uh, even though it's you know only a third of the way through the season, I think the Bears are out of it. Well, speaking of the Bears, I'm looking at a headline right now. On ESPN, it says lack of touchdowns opens door for Jay Cutler's return just because Hoyer's not necessarily scoring enough points. Hoyer, Hoyer didn't play terrible in that ball game. I feel like he threw for over 300 yards and, and made through for over 60, 65%. But they just didn't score any touchdowns yesterday. And, and um, I did not watch that game. I think I said on Friday I was not going to watch the Jacksonville Bears game of all the games <laughs> that were on tap this week. But I uh, looked at the stats and, I, you know, it's interesting. You see quarterbacks play, but, you know, you look statistically and they looks like they play fairly well. And then you hear, you know, people talk about, well, uh, you know, Hoyer did not play well at all and Cutler should be able to come back. And I'm like, man, he threw for over 300 yards. Then you got guys like Drew Stanton a couple weeks ago threw for 128 yards and about 40% and two interceptions and went easily in Arizona uh, when they played a game a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, I, I as I said, I, I'm not a Cutler fan. I've been saying that for few months now or, or whatever and uh, I actually hope they stick with Hoyer I think he's the better quarterback 302 yards yesterday for Hoyer uh, didn't throw a touchdown but I mean that's that's pretty good yardage pretty good offensive movement my thing with Chicago is is that there's nobody on that bench that they can put in and groom and and try to at least look at they don't have a Dak Prescott you know even Cleveland despite starting 0-6 at least they're making progress with Cody Kessler and putting out a guy who maybe has a chance to become a future QB. Chicago has Brian Hoyer, who's 31 years old. They've got Jay Cutler, who's 33 years old. And they have Matt Barkley, who's been in the league four years out of USC and has never done anything. I'm not sure he's going to be their savior. They just don't have anyone who can really give them any glimmer of hope. So unless they make a splash in free agency, it feels like the Bears are stuck in quarterback purgatory. Well, yeah, the Bears have been looking for a quarterback for a long time, and they sort of think they've had one for a while with Jay Cutler, and I've never thought that uh, he's a quarterback that can get a team deep in the playoffs consistently. And, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm only watching the game from afar. I've never been impressed by his leadership ability. 
I'm one of those guys that I think the quarterback has to bring energy to that huddle, to the team, and uh, you, you usually don't see great energy coming from Jay Cutler. So I would put Cleveland as the worst team in the NFL, and I would put Chicago as probably the 31st team in the NFL, the second worst, right behind, uh, right behind Cleveland. Yeah, they're they're in the running there with uh, San Francisco, who's one in five. Shockingly, Carolina is one in five. I don't think they're as bad as the Bears in actuality, but boy, that's a brutal start for Carolina. And then the New York Jets are another one-win team. I don't think they played yesterday. It's amazing that the, the Jets and and uh, and Carolina coming off of you know two pretty good seasons last year. The Jets were ten and six, if I recall, and obviously Carolina with I think fourteen wins last year or fifteen. Fifteen. Wins. Uh, fifteen wins. Just how. They're starting so slowly, and their offenses aren't really doing that much. And, and Carolina, their defense isn't uh, as good as it was last year. They gave up 40-plus points, fighting 45 points yesterday to Drew Brees. I mean, how about Drew Brees, 37 years old, throw, or maybe even 38. Uh, he came on the same draft year as me and throws for 465 yards yesterday. I mean, that guy is ageless, just keeps on keeping on. You look at the the wide receivers down there, and Brandon Cooks, who's a younger guy, had a huge day. But the rest of these guys, I don't even know who they are. I'm not positive on this stat, but I think there's been two 400-yard passing games this year, one by Tom Brady and one by Drew Brees, and both those guys you know, in their upper 30s. Well, Brees has two this year now. He had 423 against Oakland in week one, now 465 yesterday. And I don't, he has been nowhere near the problem for New Orleans. New Orleans just has no defense to speak of, and they have to win games in shootout fashion. So the, the last two weeks, New Orleans, 35-34 they win, 41-38 they win. And yesterday they basically had the ball last against Carolina, and they got it done with a 52-yard field goal. New Orleans is playing like Big 12 football. So they're, it's like TCU <laughs> Baylor every week, 52 to 45 yeah. to have to win, which is really hard to do. It's hard to uh, – it's, it's easy to call defense and stop them or easy to call run games. It's hard to call pass, pass plays all game long to try to, you know, get a touchdown every single time. It's a lot of pressure to put on an offense. Breeze has such an outlandish contract guarantee. Otherwise, it seems like the type of guy – that if you were really trying to build your organization, you could deal him and try to just acquire picks. I mean, think of think of if Breeze had been available to the Vikings, and he probably would have cost more than they paid for Bradford. But just for the sake of the exercise, first-round pick, fourth-round pick, and there wouldn't have been so much money attached to him, I feel like the Vikings would have jumped at that, right? Well, that might be something this offseason. Yeah, Breeze has the, the biggest contract, I believe, in the NFL. And, and, uh, and also New Orleans has, I think, something like $40 million in dead money down there. They have kept kicking the can down the road, you know, uh, as they say. They're sort of taking the, the U.S. government stance on spending. They just keep, you know, kicking their issues down the road here. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, $40 million in cap money. And I think that's why their defense isn't very good is they just don't have much money to spend on free agents. And when guys come up uh, under contract that they like as young guys, they can't afford to, to keep them. And uh, they've gone out and signed guys from other teams, overpaid them. They've been on the roster for maybe, you know, one season or maybe even for three or four months in the off season, they release them another, you know, three or $4 million, uh, you know, into the cap. And so, uh, yeah, the, whoever the GM is, which is partly head coach and Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis down there, they have mishandled that cap. And, yeah, Breeze has an absolutely huge cap number. I think it's over $30 million, uh, of cap room by their one player. But, man, somehow 
he is still producing at, uh, as I said, about 38 years old. Locked on Vikings, Locked on Podcast Network, at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sage Rosenfels 18. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Audio Boom. Check out some of our great partners today's pigskin.com, draftbreakdown.com, fanregsports.com. So, one piece of negative Vikings news to end the day uh, practice squad lineman, Isom Fashion, picks up a DWI during the bye week. Not good. Uh, the first Vikings arrest in two years. Uh, this this team that was so synonymous with off-the-field issues really has cleaned up its image, so it's tough to see uh, that streak get tarnished with fashion getting picked up on, I think it was last Wednesday. It, when something like this happens, Sage, I mean, do you get a sense of how upset the organization gets or the coaches get, or is this something that's handled privately? Well, he's going to get a call into the office if he hasn't already, and uh, he'll be talking to the general manager, I'm sure, and also be talking to uh, the head coach, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, the better a player is, the more talented a player is, the more leeway they get uh, when they make mistakes, whether it's in the media or off the field or things like that. But player in the practice squad getting a DUI or getting arrested – Teams don't have a lot of uh, patience for that. So, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm not sure of the situation. I have no inside scoop on this one, but I would not be surprised. And I saw it many times players on the practice squad, when they got in trouble, they were no longer on the team whatsoever. And they were, you know, out on the street, um, you know, very quickly. And so I would not be surprised by that. And, and obviously a very costly mistake uh, in this day and age with, with Uber and with taxi cabs and, with all these players making you know pretty good cash, there's just no reason to not uh, not take a cab or an Uber or something. No reason to get into a car after having too many drinks. No, absolutely not. So uh, yeah, we'll see if fashion is still around today. We'll get our first glimpse of the Minnesota Vikings at 11 o'clock this morning as they practice for the first time after the bye. And then we haven't gotten the official schedule yet, but I would imagine Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practices. A couple guys to look out for. We mentioned Stefan Diggs. Will he be back from injury? There's a couple tight ends. Rhett Ellison and David Morgan both have minor knee injuries. Will they be back, and will the Vikings need to go bring up another tight end? Because as you might remember, Kyle Rudolph was the only healthy tight end at the end of that Texans game. And then Sharif Floyd, another one to look out for. He has a knee issue. He's been missing for about a month. Will Sharif Floyd be back to go to Philadelphia and revisit his hometown when the Vikings head to Philly on Sunday? So plenty to look out for, Sage, and we'll uh, have updates tomorrow and then uh, with you again on Wednesday. Sounds good. Nice to have uh, another game this week and to, to preview this upcoming game. We'll be talking a lot of Carson Wentz. I recently watched the special from Philadelphia from Whence He Came, where they profiled Wentz's life in North Dakota during the bye week and a lot of interesting nuggets from that, which we will discuss and hopefully we'll have the Locked On Eagles representative on Thursday. Big week coming up on Locked On Vikings. He's Sage Rosenfels. I'm Sam Ekstrom, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. 
Catalyst.